So hello and welcome to the Perfect Gentleman podcast. My name is Zach Falconer Barfield, co-founder and first gentleman at the Perfect Gentleman, and alongside me is James Marwood. Uh, good to speak to you again, Zach. How are you? I'm very well, sir. I'm very well. How's your week been? Uh, it's been fantastic. Spring is continuing. My garden's looking good. I'm getting to uh, spend some time outside. Life's great. Yeah, it's very good. It's very good. E- uh, April is uh, is that great month of bluebells and daffodils and tulips and that feeling of little bounce in your step. It does help as well that I can now sit in the garden and smoke my cigars rather than having to huddle in the garage in front of a little storage heater. I do envy our uh, our cousins around the world who uh, get to smoke outdoors all the time and and sit in sun and have that nice lifestyle, whereas we hunker down in the UK inside for sometimes nine months of the year. (laughs) Yes, yes, hopefully not this year. We shall see. But no, it, it, this is my, probably my favourite time of year. Yeah, no, I like I like spring uh, I like, and also like late summer, just before it goes into fall. Yes. So let's uh, let's crack on with our second mm-hmm. podcast. Um, we forgot to mention our last, we got wrapped on the knuckles. We forgot to mention our last uh, week uh, podcast about how to contact us. Oh, I do apologise. Yep. Sometimes it's the way of the world. We got so wrapped up in our conversation last week that we forgot to talk about how, we, how you contact us. So uh, please drop us an email at enquiries e-n-q enquiries at the perfect gentleman dot tv uh if you have any queries want to contact us about anything want to suggest topics or anything like that or just want to send us some uh affection uh or you can contact us on all our social media channels so that's twitter facebook instagram and pinterest and they're all the p gentlemen uh that's the the hashtag or the uh, the um logo for them so it's the p gentlemen uh, we, we access those all the time you can find us on there or and we can contact us through those mediums anytime you like and drop us a note and we'll hopefully get a, a bit of response any feedback people want to send to us always always appreciated you know we've had some interesting stuff already and uh, whereas we don't necessarily get to reply to everything or or comment on everything we do read it all we do, we do. And we've had some lovely comments, actually. So a couple of American listeners have, have commented. And we are looking forward to more comments and more listeners as we spread the gentlemanly message. It's good. Fun. I had one of the chaps in the gym uh, t- t- tell me he'd listened and enjoyed it. So that was that was good. Oh, that's good. So where, where are we on to now, Zach? What's our, what's our first topic for the day? First topic of the day, well... Romantic Gentleman Day. It's a Romantic Gentleman podcast. Spring is sprung. Spring is sprung, and, and that means that uh, it's time for us Romantic Gentlemen to get out, the single ones of the world to get out there and uh, and uh, date. Yes. Um, and so I'm going to talk a little bit, or we're going to talk a little bit about the first date. Mm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. You mentioned last week about... Um, people standing outside a, a restaurant who are on, obviously dating and uh, you said the lady had dressed up they were looking lovely they were wearing lovely clothes they'd already made in their hair and makeup and the guys were wearing bad fitting jeans mm-hmm. not even shirts t-shirts and, and yeah. scruffy trainers um, you highlighted my one huge biggest bugbear about dating yes um, whether it's a first date or a fifth date the thing that started me down the perfect gentleman path, well, one of the things, was this fact that I would watch couples who are obviously out on a date. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can tell when they're obviously out on a date. You can generally tell when they're out on an early date, yes. you know, first, second yep. date. A little bit awkward, lots of smiling. And the lady has, as you say, made an effort. Generally, most females that I know and, and know well will have spent a considerable amount of time thinking about what they're going to wear. Yes, absolutely. And most guys have spent 
almost no time thinking about what they're going to wear. Now, there are always exceptions that prove the rule, but that's not the point. The point is this is the general rule of thumb, and I think that's appalling. I could not agree more. A while ago, I was with the same client for about, for about nine months doing some work in Berkshire, and we got quite close, and one of the guys there was was kind of lamenting his, his lack of success with, with dates. Um, and one of the other young guys in, in the office pointed out to him, it's, it's like, you, you don't try. The girl you're asking out, she watches her figure, she eats carefully, she exercises, she spends an awful lot of time making sure she looks great. And then when it comes to date night, you know, she's she's spending probably a couple of hours doing her hair and makeup just right. She's probably had three or four conversations with her friends and thugs about what to, what to dress and taking different things out of the wardrobe. Got herself ready just to look good for you. And you rock up in creased jeans and a polo shirt that you got free with the last telephone you bought you know is it any wonder that she goes yeah i'm not going to see you again you know you don't you don't you don't have to be a fashion show you don't have to spend a fortune on on these things but a bit of care and attention oh absolutely there's a little bit of care and attention that that always um goes a long long way uh, and it's true for pretty much every subject we talk about. Yes. A little preparation goes a very long way. Proper prior planning. Yeah, absolutely. You need a little bit of preparation. We're not asking you to, to strategize the next 10 moves, but a mm. little bit of thought. Yes. First dates are difficult. They're difficult they for are. both parties. Female friends of mine have told me many, many horror stories about their first dates and, and dating. So I'll try and illustrate some of the points with some stories and, and please jump in when you want, James. My, my first thing is, on the preparation front, location, location, location. What you're going to do and where you're going is very important. Yes. It sets the tone for the date, it sets the tone for the relationship, it sets the tone uh, for the so she can choose clothing appropriately, mm-hmm. so you know what there's going on. Um, you know, we tend to think uh, of restaurants as first dates. Uh, there is a reason for that, and I'll come back to that in a second. But, um, you know, you can think a little bit outside the box. I wouldn't recommend as first dates music concerts, films, or theatre, just because the whole point about first dates is getting to know someone. Yes. If you go to some of these things, which can be lovely, um, you're not really talking to the person there. So you're not really getting to know them. You're concentrating on the event that you're going to see. Why not do something a little bit different? You could go to a museum or take a walk somewhere, have a private guide taking you around a museum, bookstores, the zoo, wine tastings, whatever fits your and their personality. Why not do something a little bit different? But if you're going for the tried and true way, try a restaurant. You know, a little bit of choice about the, the sort of restaurant that's going to work for you is, is a big thing. You know, it doesn't have to be a really expensive place, but if you're wanting to, to get to know someone and talk to them, you probably don't want a very loud party restaurant full of, full of children. Also, if this, is, if this is a first date and you're a little bit nervous, you probably don't want it to be a very formal fine dining restaurant either unless that's your thing you want something where you can talk relax enjoy food and get to know each other in a a a setting that says i care about you and about the impression i make on you but also that that, that puts both of you at ease because first dates are nerve-wracking i would also add to that um ask some preemptive questions one of my great friends, who I shall refer to as Kay. Kay, uh, um, she's a vegetarian. She's been a vegetarian all her life. Quite a strict vegetarian. And she went out with this chap, and this chap picked her up and said, oh, I've 
booked a restaurant and went basically to a ridiculous steak restaurant. Basically, <laughs> oh, had nothing dear. else oh. on the menu but steak and meat. And his and she said, I, "I'm a vegetarian." And he said, "Well, you can eat salad." Yeah. As you can imagine, he didn't get a second date. I, I can well imagine. You know, I've made equally stupid decisions and and, and things as a as, as a younger man, but giving them a chance to to say, "Oh, hold on, I don't." You know, I'm going to go to a seafood restaurant. Well, actually, I've got a horrendous allergy to shellfish. If I eat them, I might die. Okay, well, we'll, we'll not go for fish. We'll go to something else. You know, I, I, I hate Italian food. Okay. And also, something you mentioned a little bit earlier about letting letting her know how to dress. You know, she's going to spend an awful lot of time um, thinking about what to wear and, and, and where to go. So if, if your date involves, for example, there's going to be a fair bit of walking and she wears heels that could make it uncomfortable for her. You know, if you're going to be going somewhere that is uh, very formal and she doesn't know, again, she's going to be uncomfortable. And also, if it's going to be, you know, if there's going to be time outside and she's dressed in a cotton dress and and then you're going to ask her to sit by the river for a couple of hours and it might get chilly, just things to bear in mind. And as we uh, have said a number of times already, your date will have uh, spent a considerable amount of time thinking about what they're going to wear. So you should think about it too. I know this sounds ridiculous, but make sure you've showered, your nails are clean. If you shave, shave, or if you don't trim, don't bathe in fragrance and dress appropriately. You know, if you're going to a a formal place, wear a suit and a shirt. If you're going to an informal place, dress well, dress in your better clothing. Try and avoid trainers. And even just down to, um, things are less simple now where, where once upon a time the guy would pay. Oh, we but can not, come on to that one. Okay, but but I would say, you know, for example, have things like have money ready. So you you know, if if you need to pay for car parking, have some change to hand. If you're going to need to leave a tip, have something for that. If you're concerned that there might be a problem with your card, or that you know it, it might be sort of place that doesn't take cards, have some cash to hand. You know, the the one the most embarrassing things you can have happen to you, and it has happened to me. And thankfully, not on a first date, but on a, a subsequent one, is to turn up, have a nice dinner, say this is my treat, and then go, <gasps> I don't have my wallet, and then the person opposite you goes, Oh yeah, I've heard that one before. <laughs> and the weight is rolling yep. his eyes at you and you feel about six inches tall so I have this rule yes and I think this, this is a fair rule I think a, the, the gentleman the man should pay for the first date yep always and there is a reason for this I adhere by the rule the person who invites someone out on the date should be the person who pays and that's true for whether you're going out on a dinner with friends or a, uh, you know, unless you're splitting it Dutch with friends. But if, you, if you've invited someone out to, a, to an event, to a date, to a dinner, it is general common courtesy that you pick up the bill. I, I would tend to agree. Uh, and so therefore, if you're a gentleman and you've asked your date out on a date, on the first date, you've made the first move, you've asked the date, date therefore, by definition, you should be paying for the first meal. I would tend to agree with that. I think there are people and there are circumstances where that that doesn't hold. There are people who, for example, don't like to be paid for and who would have a problem with that. And in which case, you know, offer, but don't make a fight out of it. If if someone wants to want, wants to split, then by all means split. But a, a nicer way to do it is say, okay, well, 
you can take me out next time. Exactly, and that's exactly what I have done and what I do. I don't, I, you know, I don't force the issue. If there's someone's really adamant, wants to split the bill, then then I will accept. But I always generally say, well, no, okay, fine. I, I invited you out. You invite me out. We'll go on the next date. It'll be your choice, and you can pay. That's a, a decent and polite way to to deal with it. And also, you get the second date, assuming you uh, you do want one. Um, Whatever you do, don't do like a, a chap I read about online a little while ago who had gone for a coffee with a girl on a first date. Very wisely, she declined to go for, to a big restaurant with him and he decided he, he he didn't like her. They weren't going to see each other again. And so we sent her a message asking for the $3 or whatever it was for his for the, for the coffee that she'd had. I, I, have, I saw that and I have no words. It's just not acceptable. No, <laughs> no. So don't do that. Even if your first date goes disastrously you know you aren't you aren't right for each other this does happen be a gentleman about it thank you for your time you know had a pleasant evening wish the other person well you may not want to continue on with the next date that's fine that doesn't mean that you get to send them an invoice and say this is this is how much it cost yeah no that's just awful <laughs> i know i know um but, so bad. but if you ask somebody out you pay i think that's a fair rule i think you're right zach yeah, it's a feral. It's a feral. Uh, um, so we've, we've dealt with that. For, for coming back to actually on the date, a couple of interesting things. So psychology is very interesting. I'm a great exponent and a great study of psychology and how we operate and how body language affects us and all that sort of stuff. But the first trick to a great date is shut up and listen. Yes. The, the actual skill of communication is the ability to listen, not the ability to talk says us sitting here and rambling on at you for i'm terrible at this i talk far too much but yes <laughs> but but the whole point is ask questions and then let the other person converse with you let them tell you about themselves let them have that communication mm-hmm. i'm not saying be passive and sit there but just let conversation flow and listen to it and it's a good tip to remember if they like something if they mention something earlier in the conversation you can go back to it if they like a movie or a destination for travel or a book and if you can go oh yeah but you mentioned that earlier how about this and yes it makes conversation flow and you generally tell that conversation flows quite well um if that's happening you know if you if you're stalling there's always tips and tricks we can give you to uh, to get conversation going again we will be running courses we will uh, put those on our website and all that sort of stuff so you can get all the tips and tricks that we have about that uh, but non-verbal communication is in- equally important you know, you've got to have correct body language our bodies silently give us away all the time you know you can, you can look at really simple things such as how you sit towards you know, facing someone are you visibly interested? You know, if you ask them a question and then while they're telling you their answer, you drift off and your your eyes glaze over or you get your phone out and start looking at it or you start staring over their shoulder at the, the, the pretty waitress who's serving something, that's not going to go down well and she will notice. If you are interested in what the person has to say and you and you let your body naturally reflect that and you show it, you know, you turn you turn, turn your body to face them, you look visibly alert in a way, maybe lean forwards a little bit, things like that, that's going to really give, um, going to show that you are showing the interest you have. And that's going to make people much more likely to engage with you. There's a saying you use, Zach, isn't there, about about getting attention? Yeah, pay attention to get attention. Yeah, absolutely. Pay attention to the little things, pay attention to the details, and you get attention. Pay attention to someone else, listen to them. Get Put the mobile phone away. Mm-hmm. Turn it onto airplane mode, silent. Put it in your pocket, don't take it out. Yes. You don't need to share any details of your meal date with your 
social media followers until it's over. It, it, it's about the communication on the first date. So the second thing that drives me nuts is I watch couples who are obviously out on dates not talking at all. They're just sitting on their mobile phones. It's just a shame. If you've been in a relationship a long time and you're you're having dinner with your, your partner and you happen to be on your mobile phone, that's fine. But you can tell when it's a date and you can... You can obviously tell when it's a, a relationship-building structure in the date. Put the phone away. The phone is not necessary. Talk, communicate. Exactly right, Zach. Mobile phones are, are really useful for ways of, of filling time. If you're in a situation on a date where the urge is there to, to, to reach for your phone, that probably means that the conversation isn't going hugely well or that you, know, that you, that you need to, to look at what you can do to to liven things up a little bit, to engage with the other person more. If you want to get to know somebody, you have to ask them about themselves. And people generally like to talk about themselves to people who are interested. So if you look interested, you act interested, you ask those sorts of questions. Where did you grow up? What was that like? Do you have any brothers and sisters? Oh, what's your career? Is that what you always wanted to do? That sort of thing. What's your favourite holiday? Music, movie, book? It doesn't make any difference it's just something to get the conversation going absolutely and then to wrap up the evening whether you've had a, a great evening and you're going to have a second date or you're uh, you've not had a great evening and you're not going to have a second date just be polite mm-hmm. once you say good night correctly um, make sure they get home safely it's only the gentlemanly thing to do and once you've gone um you know say thank you yes the next day day after send a text send a phone call you know um we can tell you about how to deal with if it's gone well another time but whatever happens just say thank you even if you don't like each other just say thank you yes the basic common level of courtesy is important and the reason for this and people think i am crazy when i say this until they realize it happens is you never know Mm -hmm. so that lady that you didn't get on with they didn't have a fantastic time with but you're polite and kind and decent to she might have a friend or a cousin or Mm -hmm. someone in your circle and that person might have another friend and that person is the person you end up dating yes and it will get to them that you behave with decency yes i mean i I can give a perfect example of that a very good uh friend of mine and they're they're married now with with children, so it's it their first date went very well, but she asked me uh, what is well, my friend will say M, what's he like? And I said yeah he's, he's a decent guy he's fine I'd have no problems with you know, any lady I know would I'm sure he would he would treat them perfectly well he'd be it he'll be it'll be a good fun to spend time with and he'll treat you right I'm sure of it I'm sure if I'd said actually you know I've heard these things about about him and he's a bit of a a bit of a rogue then. She she might well not have done, and certainly she wouldn't have gone into in, into that first date with as open a mind. You, how you act matters. People talk about you, and if you're a gentleman and you're polite, even when things haven't gone the way you want, people notice. You get you get points for that. You do. And then uh, my last tip, and not everyone agrees with this one, and I don't know your thoughts, James, is uh, there's uh, as Jimmy the Saint from the movie Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead, which is uh, an interesting movie, but the line from line of the movie, never kiss on the first date. Ah. And I, I adhere to this. So first of all, it shows restraint. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it shows that you want a second date. Yes. Um, and it's, it's a nice way to be. It's that's, that's slightly a bit more gentlemanly. You can leave a sense of uh, anticipation, mm-hmm. can wait for that, uh, 
relationship than for the next one. You know, a little goodnight kiss on the cheek is perfectly acceptable, but, you know, intimacy should be a little bit more... We should wait a little bit. I'm so used to these days being all about the hookup. And sometimes if you're dating specifically... And I think it would be a nice thing to do. I think I, th- I think there's a lot of merit to that. I mean, it's difficult to say exactly uh, because dates will go differently, especially if you're you know if you're meeting in town or you're you know you're one of you's getting a bus and someone else is getting a a train or something like that. You aren't going to necessarily have that that natural point of dropping someone at their door in a good night case. That 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 natural thing. But myself, I think if the if the moment felt right and and that the date had gone well and it felt like that was something that that was right to do then i probably would um but i'd have no i wouldn't think anything had gone wrong if it didn't happen i've I've had more than a few first dates where it's been a a kiss on the cheek and a, and even even dropping someone off at home it's been absolutely fine and we've gone on to have many more dates and and, and have some good times together so i think it's there's no hard and fast rules, I would say. Let's put it this way: from my experience, mm-hmm. that um, rule tends to work very well. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it will do. So I'll, um, I'll not disagree. I'll just, <laughs> luckily, hopefully, I, w- I won't have any more first dates um, unless things go horribly wrong. Me neither. Yes. So that wraps up our, our romantic gentleman section. We, I think, we rambled a little too long. We might have a longer podcast. You lucky things. Our wonderful partners, the Cravat Club provide luxury silk cravats, scarves and pocket squares. Designed and handcrafted in England. So complement your style with a touch of sartorial elegance with these 100% silk cravats, scarves and pocket squares, which are an ideal addition to evening or day wear for a sharp and refined look for the distinguished gentleman. Head on over to their website, www.cravat-club.com to grab yours now. I'm going to talk a little bit about the confidence key, the keys to confidence. Confidence is so important in life. Romance as well. We just talked about romance, but it's so important in life. It, it, it is one of the things that most people lack. Um, it's one of the things that most people uh, don't know how to uh, build. Um, it's one of the things that actually is relatively simple to do. Yes. To learn, to build. Um, it is a skill. And it's very interesting why people don't uh, understand that. And it's interesting why people don't um, really take it to heart how relatively easy it is to build confidence. And it's, we talk about building confidence. You does so suddenly become confident. You know, it's not like, oh, tonight I'm going to be confident, James. You, it's a building thing. It is building the the solid bricks to build confidence. Where, where do we start from, Zach? Assuming I'm, you know, someone who doesn't have much confidence, or I'm, I'm concerned about it. How do I start? Well, there's two ways. I talk about outside in and inside out. Mm-hmm. Outside in is the simplest way to start. It's one of the speediest ways to build and grow confidence. So, what do I mean by outside in? Well, let's start with the simple things. How you dress, mm-hmm. how you dress, how you project yourself, that builds confidence. So if you dress well, you dress stylishly, you dress with some flair and thought and uh, um, you dress comfortably in yourself, people will notice, people will make comments, people will appreciate it. And that builds your self-esteem. Yep. So you suddenly become, oh, someone's complimenting me on the way I've, I, I've dressed. Oh, that's really cool. And that starts to build your self-confidence. So the first simple thing is why we talk about wearing 
uh, wearing suits and dressing up and dressing to impress is because that kind of thing builds confidence. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. The second thing is body language. So nonverbal communication is the thing we transmit constantly and unconsciously, and everyone picks up on it. You know, there's so many nonverbal elements that we pick up on, it's ridiculous. You know, there's a number of great psychologists and body language experts, uh, Dr. Lillian Glass, Mark Bowden, and fantastic Paul Erkman, which talk about all the different uh, ways that our body language speaks that we can't control. Yes. We just does this. So um, one of the things that we need to do is control that body language. So there's a number of ways you can do that. One of the quickest ways, um, there's a lovely professor called Amy Cuddy, who's from Harvard Business School. Yep. And uh, she did a fantastic TED Talk. Yes, I know it well. Yes. Um, and she talks about confidence and she talks about body postures and just doing what she calls power poses. There are half a dozen of these power poses and you stand in them for two minutes and it drastically affects your confidence in your body chemistry. And you can watch the talk and she explains the science and explains what happened. But it worked. She's a scientist. She proved it. Um, and it's so fascinating to just see that standing in what would seem ridiculous body postures mm -hmm. build confidence for you. Yes. Take a look at the TED Talk. It's very simple. Amy Cuddy, Professor Amy Cuddy on the TED Talk. We'll put a link in the show notes. But have a look at this. It's fantastic. Standing in these postures for two minutes boosts your confidence. Absolutely. And and that really does work. I use those when I'm about to go in to meet with a client for the first time, if I'm about to go and give a presentation. And I'm sure if someone saw me doing it, they would they would think I, I'm crazy. I do, for example, one of the classic power poses where you stand like Superman with your feet quite wide apart, your chest up and your hands on your hips and and you swell your, your torso. And I will do that before before presentation. You know, I won't do it in front of the client. I'll maybe go to the to the bathroom and do it, or I'll do it as I'm walking up the street, ready to go to their office. It works so well. Oh, absolutely. And then as an adjunct to that, as again, back into the body and the posture, stand up, stand tall, put your shoulders back, put your head up. If you stand confidently, even if you don't feel confident, you will start, your body chemistry will change and you'll start to feel confident. And people don't understand this until you start doing it all the time. So every time you feel that you're uh, a little bit down in yourself, a little bit uh, upset, you're, generally your body posture will change. It will generally shrink in, it will move forward, your shoulders will hunch, your head will go down. You'll notice it. So immediately just bring the shoulders back, put your head up, stand up, thrust the chest forward, raise your chin and just stand there for a couple of moments. And you'll, f you'll feel your body will change. Yes. And then the last one, which is outside in, um, is smile. Yes. All the time. Smiling is infectious. It's almost as infectious as yawning. Mm -hmm. If you're smiling, other people will smile. Yes. And it's a universal language. Everyone smiles around the world. And if you um, want to know how to smile, just trigger a happy memory. Remember that joke you heard or um, that kitten video you saw or, you know, whatever it is that makes you smile, just remember it. Yes. And if you smile, it will just make everyone else be happier. And then confidence comes through. Oh, he's always happy. You know, there, there is this thing that comes through. It's infectious. Even if you're faking it, as Amy Cuddy says, fake it till you make it. If you don't quite believe it in yourself, what will happen is the more you fake it, in inverted commas, you start the process by uh, um, contrivance, then you will start to get there quicker and it will start to become more natural. You know, fake it till you make it 
is really good at, at portraying confidence. But in order to build your self-esteem and your, your internal confidence, we often rely on on others' perception of us to do that. But if, if I pretend to be confident, I do some power poses, I smile, and then people key on that, and I say, well, actually, that went really well. These guys really liked what I did there. I feel good about myself now. You know, I've I've proven to myself that I can do this thing. That fake it till you make it can sound a little bit trite at first, but actually it can be a really good way of kickstarting you onto a, a virtuous cycle of, of success and, and feeling good about that success. Absolutely. And, and, and it is interesting how that works. I mean, it, it's interesting. It's almost like um, visualizations that sports people sports people visualize their success and visualize their success and visualize hitting the ball and hitting the ball well and kicking the ball over the posts and all that sort of thing um continuing without ever touching a ball without you know sitting in their room mm-hmm. and doing it over and over and over in their head technically they're faking it till they make it because they're running in the, the thing through their head until they get so ingrained that it doesn't matter the brain just goes oh yes we're always confident we're always happy we're always we can do this so that's the trick okay that's outside in let's talk about inside out um Inside out is tougher. Let's not beat about the bush. It's, it's a tougher way to do it. Uh, once you've done the outside in, it's easier to do the inside out. Um, if you're starting with inside out, um, you might need someone to help you with this because it is a, it's a more challenging uh, way to do it. But also it's probably the has the longer term benefits after a, a while. It's easier to, to do for the long term. I know it sounds weird talking about building self-confidence internally by discussing how we deal and interact with others. Yes. But that's one of life's paradoxes. So we're talking about gratitude and compliments. Be thankful, give compliments. If you give genuine compliments to people and are genuinely thankful for things, you will start to get that back and therefore it will build your confidence. Now, it doesn't have to be come back from the same people, and it probably won't come back from the same people. But if you're thankful and you're giving compliments, other people will start to notice that, and they will do the same thing. There's two parts to that, I think. If, if I tell somebody else that they've done something well, or that I like something about them, it helps me feel good, they feel good, and other people feel good because they see them feeling good. It lifts everybody, and like a, like a rising tide floats all boats. If the people around me are improving... I will do as well. And the other side to it that I personally get a lot from is when you compliment people or you think about your relationship with them, you think about things like that, it helps you deepen and strengthen that connection between people. And we are we are social animals. You know, we've evolved to generally be in social settings. And good, strong relationships um, are really important for our happiness, our self-esteem and our confidence. Absolutely. Um, and then the next skill that you need to learn or, or it helps you with the confidence is um, something that I did and, and changed my life. So a bit of background, I was a very sick kid when I was growing up. I spent a lot of my time in hospital. About 70% of my life was in, either in hospital or bedridden until I was about 11. So I had no interaction at school, pretty much. Didn't have friends. And that was it was tough for me. And I, when I finally got well enough to go to school and start building friendships, I was bullied because I was skinny, pale, not good in the social interaction world. Um, and I did something which I now know what it is, but then I didn't know. I decided one day that I would change my life. And the way I would change my life was I would tell myself I was going to change my life. So I stood in the mirror when I was about 12 years old and just told myself positive things. 
I am good looking. I am charming. I can speak clearly. I can make friends easily. You know, I would think to myself sometimes daily, these are silly things, but I said I was going to do it. And I did it every day for five years. And it changed my life. If I had friends, I became social, I dated girls, I went to drama school. Before that, I would have never stood up on stage. I would have never been doing this. Um, you know, I would never be that confident. And, but that positive affirmation, looking at myself in the eye and just saying this stuff, just got there. Um, and it's a very old tool, uh, positive affirmations. It goes back many, many hundreds of years. But it does work. Um, so just if you look in a mirror and just say, you know, you're looking good. I'm, I'm loving myself today. Yeah. Tomorrow and today I'm feeling better. You know, and it starts to work because your brain starts to get away from negativity. Because the other thing that we have a problem with is our mental diet. Negativity, like positivity, is viral. Yes. So if you're hanging around with lots of negative people, you will see negative things. You'll feel negative things. People will knock you down. Oh, you're no good at this. Oh, it's bad. The reverse is true. If you're hanging around with positive people, even if that positive person is just yourself, mm -hmm. it starts to work. Yes. So you will realize that, actually, I don't want to hang around with negative people. I want to hang around with positive people. Even if they're not being positive directly at you, but just positive in general, they have a positive outlook. They are more optimistic. It will spread. Absolutely. There's a guy called um, Jeff Thompson, who was um, a big guy in the, in, in the martial arts scene. And he basically forced himself from being depressed in a, a series of poor relationships, working as a, you know, sweeping up in a, in a factory in, in Coventry and being bullied and scared into being a very successful, first of all, martial artist, great, but then into doing things that he never considered, such as screenwriting and journalism and, and writing, and he won a BAFTA for one of his screenplays. And he talks so much about his, his positive um, self-talk, about dealing with Mr. Nasty, who's, who sits on, on your shoulder. That was the way he described him. And every time he says something negative to you about, you'll never be able to solve this problem. Yes, I will. I've done this sort of thing before. I've dealt with these other things which are harder. Or oh, this is not going to go well. It'll go fine. These people like me. You know, things like like that. Another friend of mine um, uses the example of Bob the Builder. When the little voice in his, his, his head will say, well, this is going to ruin it. doesn't matter. I'll fix it. That's what he keeps telling himself. And I think that's really important to build that self-esteem. Following on from exactly that point, you know, we all have problems and insecurities. I, I was very lucky. I've worked with a load of interesting people, models and actors and all that sort of stuff. Ask any one of them, famous or not, are they they're happy with the way they look? And most models will say, no, they're not beautiful. There's something wrong with their eyes, their nose, their ears, their legs, their butts, whatever it is. The, the difference between confident people and those who lack confidence is the confidence ones will do two, one, one of two things. They will either deal with it and fix it mm -hmm. or they acknowledge it and move on. Yes. If you don't like something, can you fix it? If you're overweight, can you fix it? Yes, I can. Right, I can go on a diet, I can exercise, I can do this. Can I fix my nose? Well, if I have the money to do plastic surgery and I really want to do that, yes. But really, honestly, does that really affect me that much? Look at Serrano de Bergerac for a great example. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, does, I, does it mean that I need to fix it? Okay, I don't. Just move on. Accept it as part of me and move on. There's so much to be said for taking control and making the active decision to deal with something. If you have things which are making you unhappy, situations you're in that, that aren't that aren't right. There's something that I talk about quite a bit with some of my clients, especially when I'm when I'm coaching executives or managers, is there's nobody 
else is responsible for your happiness and success. Nobody else, just you. You know, not since you were about 10 years old and you started going to big school, has anybody else had the responsibility to make you happy? Instead, you have to do the things that will make you happy, make you confident, make you successful. Some people will help that. Some people will hinder that. And, you know, moving away from the negative towards the positive is is a strong kind of multiplier in what you're doing. But really making those decisions to say, I will fix this. I will make this better. And you're not going to fix it all in one go, but actually making that decision to say, no, this is something I can change. I'm going to do it. You, and do it slowly and steadily. Mm-hmm. You know, all these things that we talked about here, and, you know, and they'll be in the article in the in the magazine if you want to read about them. All the things we talk about here, it's not an overnight thing. You know, yes. this is stuff that needs to take time. As I said, I, I did this for five years to build my confidence. And even now, when I have a f- moment of a lack of confidence or I, I struggle, I go back to those key principles. I do it myself. If someone annoys me, I just put a smile on my face. Yes. I change my my state as you say because mm. that's the thing i can control it's that idea from from stoicism and and also with, with within some zen buddhist teaching and things like that but it's it's a kind of a universal hack for your own mood and your own mind is the only thing you can control is how you respond to things and one thing i i would say that works really well for this kind of uh, of a thing where you're looking to to improve your your confidence your esteem your your self self worth is I might be stealing your thunder here a bit, Zach, sorry, but it's to, it's to give, it's to help others. Generally, people who help and support others are happier than those who don't. And that could be something as simple as stopping to have a five-minute chat with the guy selling the biggest you and, 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 and buying a copy from. It could be some something really big, like volunteering or donating some money or something like that. It doesn't have to be. It just has to be something that lifts up other people and that will lift you. It's that, that level of giving and humility. Yes. I, I'm humble enough to give to others. Yes. And it, as you say, it doesn't need to be money. Mm-hmm. It could just be time. The chap who, who uh, sells the big issue that I walk past mm-hmm. pretty much every morning on my way to yoga, every day I stop and say, hello, how are you? Once every couple of weeks, I'll buy him a cup of coffee. And it's just saying, hello, how are you? Are you good today? You know, five minute chat, off you go. You've connected with someone who wants, who basically wants connection. And that helps them, helps you. It's, it's a positive, a positive thing. Well, gosh, I feel all, all uh, very emotional and, and confident and, and quite fired up. Um, on that note, we'll pass over to our man in Switzerland. We'll pass over to Paul Ernst for his, uh, his monthly report. I hope you're uh, standing in your power pose, Paul. Dear gentlemen, spring has finally arrived in Switzerland and summer seems to be just around the corner according to the weather forecast. So it's time to put our dog winter coats and heavenly peated whiskies away and opt for something more summery. Here at the PG office, Switzerland, we are ready for the new season and we have already some exciting news for you. As you maybe still remember from my previous letter to you, we were seeking for potential partners and I'm happy to announce that we found with Bernarica our first partner. So we have planned already four events for this year and we will host our first experience soon. So join us on April 28, 2016 for a Cuban, and Cuban rum and cigar pairing at the Pruers Imas Lounge Basel and learn more about the perfect gentleman and the advantage of being a gentleman. Rum and cigars are not your thing? Don't worry. We have also some other events up the sleeves. 
We will tell you more about here in the PG magazine and on our Facebook pages. Yours sincerely, Paul, first Swiss gentleman. Born in the backshop of a Colombian leather craftsman, matured on the Pan American Highway, perfected on a pub's damp table in Savile Row, Monsieur London is the result of travel. It led its two creators from Anchorage to Oshaya on the 19,000 mile long journey. They ended up in London to settle the project born from a choice to lead a lifestyle with higher standards and expectations. A brand for the 21st century cosmopolitan man. As a result of this approach, the online retail shop MonsieurLondon.com was launched in October 2012. Since then, they have made many pop-up shops in Paris and London and opened with business partners La Garcionniere, a 250 square meters men lifestyle concept store in Paris. Their brand offers elegant accessories made with traditional know-how for a fair price. They make their customers pay for the quality, not for the branding and marketing. Their French, Italian and English workshops fabricate outstanding products, created with their sense of traditional know-how and their passion for style. These accessories reflect the technical excellence of their makers. They offer bespoke options on many of their products, including gloves, bags and belts. Check them out at MissYourLondon.com. Thank you, Paul, for your... um our man in section uh, from Switzerland, insightful as usual. Next month it might not be Paul. We might have a new uh, our man in. So, uh, we'll, but we'll come back to Switzerland. We'll always see Paul again and frequently on our articles. Always good to hear from Paul. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Yes. If you want to subscribe to us on our iTunes or uh, through your local podcast subscription service, um, contact us at inquiries at theperfectgentleman.tv. You can find more about uh, courses that we run, events that we run on the website, theperfectgentleman.tv. Uh, contact us on social media at the P Gentlemen, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it, we'll find it. Uh, we're there. James, as always, a great pleasure speaking to you. It was great speaking to you, Zach. Speak soon. Speak soon. Take care. Take care, my friend. Goodbye. This podcast is brought to you by the Perfect Gentleman Group Limited and was edited by Andy Nichol at the Pistachio Palace.